Brett and I are here with my friend, Mike DeChocho, who is, what is your official title, Mike? Owner and CEO of Social Chameleon? Or? I go with founder and president. I, I mean, like it. We can call me the CEO at this point. I don't think there's anyone that can tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I feel like I still have to earn that title. Don't you graduate into it? Like I created the company and I run the company, but I, I don't know. CEO, someone has to tell me that I'm the CEO. I don't know if I told myself that yet. It's funny that you say that. I actually think that could be a show in its own right. I think that's a very common struggle for freelance entrepreneurs. And and I think that's a perfect way to open it, actually. And since we are speaking to freelance entrepreneurs, and you and I go back in earlier stages of our journeys, uh, could you tell, just maybe give like a 30-second snapshot of, of who you are and a Social Chameleon, how it is today? Yeah, 2017, I decided I wa- I wanted to walk away from corporate America. I, I built up a nice sales career, and um, it was something that kind of found me. I didn't wake up one day thinking I was going to become a salesperson, but I did that for you know a decade and a half, and and really learned how to a communicate with people, do presentations, learn the the, the art of selling, and I did it from the heart. And I really um, built up a nice you know book of business at at the companies I was representing. And then I, I realized if I could sell for these companies XYZ product, why don't I sell my own product or service and make it my own? And I had that level of confidence. I was doing very well. I was like, you know, one of the top sales reps in the company. I was a store manager at one point for a company that you also, you you were the store manager plus you got to sell. And I was breaking records doing that. And it was like, I'll tell you a little bit of honesty behind the moment. I was going through a divorce in 2017. And when I was doing that, I was evaluating a lot of things. I was reevaluating what my purpose in life was. I was reevaluating what my legacy was going to be for my daughter. And I was also reevaluating my happiness. You know, I was just coming out of a situation where I was not very happy with both, you know, the situation that I was going through and also extremely not happy with who I kind of became as a person. Um, I was getting away from the things I really love. So I decided to start a company and have it focused around things that I actually was passionate about. Like, why not? Right. So we were getting divorced officially in December. And in October, I was already getting the business together and officially became a business owner on November 22nd of 2017. So this was quick. Like I I took action right away. And here's the thing, guys. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I have to give a lot of credit to guys like Ed Milet and Lewis House and even Grant Cardone, guys who have these these business podcasts that really inspire through their messaging and the people that they have on the show. And when I was listening to those shows, it was what really gave me that push. I didn't have a close friend or relative that was like, this is your moment. It took some people I never at that point met that were giving these messages. And I, that's why I, I gravitate so much to podcasting because to me, it's a great way to learn and it's a, a great way to really level up your life. Um, but Social Chameleon is a podcast production agency, um, but we weren't that when we started. So I'd love to tell you about the iterations if you care to hear that as well. The one thing that you touched on, Mike, that was interesting that I think we underplay a lot is I didn't have anybody... I believe in you is maybe too strong, but in my case, I don't come from a, a family or a group of people that started businesses. It was me going, all right, better late than ever. I'm taking it. Yeah. I mean, I had some plunges earlier, but the latest time that we, even as a contractor, we all 
are doing it, but probably not with a ton of support. <laughs> so I think sharing that's an, an important. Uh, it's not even, uh, and this isn't a knock on my family, but I, it w- my decision was not met with a lot of um, praise. It was met with a lot of hesitation from my family. Everybody wants to see you do well, that loves you and cares about you. But dude, you're doing well. You're 30 and I was probably earning more out of anybody in the immediate family, which I only say that to put it in perspective of the story. And then I went from that to earning only what I would basically hunt and kill kind of thing. And so then it was, it became like the the opposite. I became kind of like the black sheep of the family. Like I was walking away from this beautiful job and all this stuff. And, And I appreciate that. But at the same time, only you, and I'm talking to the audience here as well, directly, you know what that is. You know what your level of tolerance is for the BS or the situation that you're no longer going to tolerate. And for me, I was there. I already knew I'm onto this thing. And whether I crash and burn or, you know, the the plane, I'm the Wright brothers and I jump off the hill and it flies right away. Like I didn't know where that was going to go, but I knew that the best way for me to get to where I wanted to go is to A, get started because without that, you're nowhere. And then B, I'm the kind of person that needs to learn hands-on, not in the classroom. And I'll say this, I've also started a podcast in 2019. So about two years after starting the company, I decided to do my own podcast. That was a heart tug moment. And when you're a host of a show, as you guys both know, you learn from your guests and you learn from the experience. And um, it's the thing that allowed me to take my, my company from the early days of being a media and marketing company and really finding the niche down moment was about a month into podcasting. One of my video clients said, you do podcasting now? Do you think you can do that for us? And I was like, well, of course I can, you know, I'll at least help you out, get you started. So like, forget about that. Like we want you to just do it for us. And I was like, light bulb, like the, the, like the little emoji with the, you know, the bomb going off. And um, it didn't take me long to realize it was not going to be another line item. It was going to be the line item. So well, I, I stopped doing the other stuff and focused on podcasting. Taking it a, a step back, when you first got started, I know you said you plowed right in. And I think a lot of us do that. So like for me, I was working in an agency and they were charging like $140 an hour for what I was doing and paying me like 30 And I realized I yeah. could go right to these clients who were maxing out their budget and cut the middleman. And so I focused on writing. And yeah. for you, did you have a business plan or did you think, well, I can I can market these companies on social media? And did you just kind of like go ahead with that? Like what was what was the structure of that for you? Or even the inspiration of it too, yeah. right? So from being a store manager and selling to a creative agency, what was how did you connect the dots and say this yeah. is where I want to jump in? Yeah, so it kind of goes back to growing up. When I was a kid, the things I was really interested in were movies and, you know, um, the entertainment business and also uh, music. So I was a drummer. I started playing drums when I was about 10 years old and started making movies with the big old shoulder cameras in the 80s and 90s. Uh, When I was like eight, eight years old, we were doing VHS, VCR to VCR editing, my brother and I. We would literally like shoot stop motion with our toys and make oh. things move around and all kinds of creative stuff. We had an Amiga computer. If you guys remember those, that's oh, really yeah. dating us. It was a hand-me-down from our uncle and we learned how to make um, 
basically graphics move on this thing at 30 frames per second. So I always had this heart and this, this love and desire for entertainment and media. Um, and that's why I kind of shared that I got into sales, but it was something that kind of found me. And then I just wanted to blend it. I was like passions plus being able to sell and everything in life in business, you need to have a, wear your sales hat. So I kind of looked at it like, ooh, even though I kind of think if you look at the map of my life, it looks like I lost my way for a few years and becoming a salesperson. Absolutely not. What it did is it gave me the prerequisite to be able to run a business and talk to people. Because if I didn't have those sales experiences, I wouldn't be as good as I was at the Chamber of Commerce meetings I was at. I would not be confident networking. I wouldn't be confident pitching. I wouldn't be confident hearing no more than I heard yes, like until I kind of had that school of hard knocks sales situation. So then your question is, how did, how did you like refocus yourself back to the media side of things? That was when I, when I realized after doing my own podcast that there was a desire. People were asking me about it. And I was hearing more people asking me about that than they were about any other service we had. And I asked myself, if I can do anything, let's say I got paid the most amount of money, what item would I want to do? And it was podcasting. You asked me about what my, my game plan was. I literally was walking in business to business in Buffalo, going to these small mom and pop shops. Sometimes it'd be a bowling alley. It could be a, a bakery, which I did end up signing up um, a popular bakery in our area. And, um, you know, some of these cool little shops in Buffalo that I knew they were really good at what they did. You know, they're a great bakery, but they knew nothing. They didn't know how to run a Facebook page. So I'd be like, look, I can help you. I know how to do this. And I wasn't necessarily like schooled in it. I didn't take a bunch of courses on it. I was doing it for myself, you know, and then I would run ads and have some success. Whenever I learned something, I'd go to my client and say, hey, guess what? This is what I can show you how to do it. I'd show them an example. They'd say, yeah, let's do that. We would do it for them. It would either work or not work. It was very much trial and error, and it, it, that process, admittingly so, had me kind of questioning, am I the best fit for this? Like, is this actually even what I want to be doing? And um, I kind of started to realize I created this company because I wanted to get back to being passionate about what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I made the company what I thought everybody else wanted, opposed to like what I actually want to be doing. And... I feel like if you're going to go all in on yourself, you may you may as well be doing what you absolutely love. Yeah. And it's okay. Like there's there's something to be said. There are plenty of freelancers who are like, you know, I can write and people need writers and I'm going to build a writing company and I'm not going to write. And and that's where they find their joy and their money, frankly. And and I think that for a lot of freelancers the goal is see a need and create something and then remove themselves. And, and I, I love how you just kind of had that inspiration. Were there any challenges when you kind of like, were like, all right, this is what I want to do, but now what? Did you like map out a plan? Like, how did that work? Yeah. Or even if I can add on that before yeah, you go, Mike, <laughs> was, you know, because when you got started, did you have a plan? Was it just yeah. to replace your income that you were making in your job or... Because I think a lot of us, I'm speaking from experience, you know, the first time it was like, I just want to make more money than what I was doing before. But you get in a bad habit of just chasing the dollar that so I'm just curious when you started the first, was it did you have the full plan that, hey, I want this to become an eight figure company with 50 employees? 
or was it, I'm just going, I'll, I'll figure it out as, as I go, just kind of curious what your, it was your a little mindset bit of both. was. I, it was a little bit of both. Like I knew my numbers as far as I wanted to do a million dollars in sales. And it's something because the companies that I've worked with before, oddly enough, two totally different industries. It came from an insurance industry and I also came from uh, mattresses working for Sleep Number, which is a great company and Liberty Mutual. And so, and, and um, I was do I did like two and a half million dollars in sales you know, my last year working in, for the, for corporate America. And so I didn't necessarily put that as the number, but I just, I, the number I wanted to hit was a million because I felt like, you know, I've, I've sold other products and services, as I mentioned, for other companies at that level. So why not sell that for myself? So then I figured out what my package, you know, my plans were at the time I had more package things like you get this, you get your Facebook page, you get this much ad spend, you know, and I put it together and then I'd figure out like, okay, I need to close this many deals a month. I need to have like eight recurring clients. And yeah, I had a little bit of that mapped out. It wasn't necessarily like, here's my proper business plan with profit margins and all this stuff. It was very loosey goosey. Um, I had a number, I had a set number saved where I knew I could survive for like eight to 12 months based on the the money I had saved. I have, you know, my ex-wife at that time, I was paying her not only child support, but also a little bit of alimony for 22 payments. So once that, basically, I got about two years in and and really found myself in a rough spot because by the time I was paying her and the child support stuff and a roof over my head and groceries and gas in the car, I, I, I was basically just breaking even after a couple of years. Um, but I also was playing small ball and I want to share that. Like, look, I admit that it, you know, even when I did well, um, what would happen is, and I'm sharing this cause I want to help other people not make the same mistake or if they've made this and, and they're working through it right now, know that you can get out of it. The thing I would do is I was trying to get a bigger ticket item sold, not just for the dollar amount, but I knew that like, Hey, we can do a great job for this client. We feel we're valued at that. And obviously selling one or two of these opposed to 10 small items, you know, if you want to make 10 grand, you can do 10, $1,000 or you can sell two $5,000, right? So try to figure that math out. And the thing is when I sold some of these bigger plans, which I did, um, I realized, okay, I need to hire some other people to work with me on it to make sure that no matter what, I would always deliver on the promise. So there were projects I'd get paid like five grand for, but it wasn't me getting paid. It was the company. And then I would hire out a couple of people that can help me, whether it's SEO or website designers and stuff that I wasn't necessarily the expert on. And I was kind of managing the account. But the thing is, the, the bigger and better the client, the, the more money it would cost. But so would my expenses. So I'd end right. up like sometimes on those bigger accounts, make like $300. And I could have just sold a Facebook page to a mom and pop shop for seven fifty a month, made more money, did it myself, less stress, more money. And so I think my brother-in-law actually was helping me kind of figure that out because he saw me just half the time he'd see me, I just looked disheveled, like, how do I, I got to figure this out because I'm going in the wrong direction. And he would be like, you know, dude, you keep chasing these big accounts, but then you need to hire all these people and you make less money than if you just did a smaller account, but you just manage the whole thing. So then I flipped it. And that's actually once I got into podcasting, it was me, myself and I, as I said, 
And I was actually making more money because I knew how to podcast because it was a skill I, I learned myself working with a couple other podcasters. Some of it was self-taught. A lot of it was kind of YouTube in my way through it. And um, I was I started to get paid handsomely for it. And then it was a different problem. A great problem to have was that I was so busy, so many new clients that I literally was already at 60 hours a week of sitting in front of my computer that I had to hire an intern. And then I ended up hiring someone to kind of manage some of the back end. Uh, and now I have five people that work on my team with me in all different capacities, mostly production roles of audio, video, show notes, writers, and also graphic designers. And once I fixed the problem before of like chase the sale, build the team, I did it where it was like I had the business coming in first and I knew that I could afford the team. And instead of hiring people one at one off, like I'd hire Diana for this one project to write and then I'm going to hire Brett to do this thing on the next one. I just had my set team and we kept replicating what was working. And whenever a process broke down, I would fix it. So then when we got a new client, we did it the new way. We used Trello as a great communication tool, project management tool. And we've been off and running and continue to grow. There's some mistakes that still kind of pop up. But I would say as, as much as like, yeah, of course you want the road to be less bumpy and a straight line. I don't believe I would have been able to get to where I'm at today without doing all the kind of the squiggly lines, Diana, that you talked about. Yeah. And I, I want to go back a bit to pricing because I think this is a, uh, I don't want to say trap, but it's a, a common trap for freelance entrepreneurs too. Like, First of all, there's a lot, if you look on social media of like the freelance quote unquote experts who are tweeting about stuff, they always talk about the six figure goal. And yeah. I think that all of us on this on this uh, interview right now can agree that six figures, like once you get there, you realize it's really not that much. It just yeah. isn't like, especially after taxes and self-employment taxes, I always thought that it was going to be the most, like I was set as soon as I made six figures. And then I did. And I was like, I am the poorest friggin' rich person, air quotes, I have ever met. Like you, you know, so it's difficult. I, and I think this happens to a lot of people when they get started to understand how to set prices, to understand what goes into it, and then to, to set those income goals. And it can be hard. Like we all, to an extent, and I know Brett, you had a little bit more savvy because you came from that consulting background, but like we winged it and, and figured it out as we went. But damn, if I couldn't go back, would I not wing it? <laughs> because it would have, and, and I replaced my income within six months and I doubled it within a year, but then I plateaued for like three. And so that was really difficult for me because I maxed myself out and, and it's really challenging. So but I think what one of the biggest things I'm kicking from you is think bigger, yeah. right? I mean, that's one of the yeah. things I, I discovered a couple of years ago is how do I think bigger than what I was thinking before? and different. Yes, get the revenue, get it coming in. But what you learned and how you, you pivoted and realized that another great lesson was, hey, don't always go for the $10,000 account. If you can get $3,000 accounts and it's less work and you're yeah. taking home all the profit, it, it's better. So, Or how about this? Here's what I'm going to say to that too, Brett, is one of the problems I did have, the bottlenecks that I had early on is I was selling products and services that I didn't know 100% how to do it all myself, which is fine as long as you have people right. on your team that can handle it, um, which I did. I had connections and people willing to do this kind of work. But again, the problem is I had to get them involved in everything. And then there was longer time. I had to meet with them, tell them what the project was, not hope that they delivered. But at, at the same yeah. time, if you're handing the torch to someone else, 
you're giving away the control. Um, and then people are paying you for all this and you have to kind of figure it out where with podcasting, I literally, I knew how to record. I knew how to edit. I had a media production background went to Buffalo state college for that. So I learned how to edit audio there, video. It's a passion of mine. So the post-production stuff was fun. And then cover art. I'm not a des- graphic designer by trade necessarily, but I always have an eye for it. I like the design and I've used tools like Canva, or I've also hired people that are graphic designers. But the thing, the thing I'm trying to point out is I knew every step of the process myself. So if I was the bakery, I knew how to run the cash register. I knew how what the store was supposed to look like. I knew how to bake every item on the menu, and I could go in the back room and actually do it. With podcasting, I knew how to do it all from the sales process, working with the client customer relationship, audio recording, audio editing, you know, video and audio as well. And then I knew how to get things on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It, I, I figured it all out. So now when it came time to take on clients, I was able to do it because I ran everything myself. So then when I was hiring people, I can hire people that I can train opposed to hiring the guy who wants $5,000 just to sit with you. I can now work with people who are hungry, excited, and they're willing to work for, you know, 20 bucks an hour or something that's a little bit more affordable because I'm getting them in. Um, they want to work on the, on the project and they're willing to grow with me. And I tell everybody who comes on the team, like we're starting off, you know, especially a couple of years ago, starting off very small. And the thing is when someone does right by the company and they come to it with the right attitude, there's room for growth here. So as we continue to grow and do better and our accounts go, you know, from 1000 to 2500 to 10 grand, that kind of thing, you know, we start to see and feel that and they're with us along the ride. Now they're they're going to be the first person who's going to benefit from it. Right? Not necessarily someone who comes in blind and is like, "Hey, I now that you guys are doing doing extremely well, now I want to come and work for you." It's like, "No, this person they've been with me since we were getting paid you know, basically in coffee at the corner, uh, you know, spot. So that's awesome. And congratulations to you for recognizing when it was time to pivot and then going to something, you know, which is ironically, a, a often a more traditional freelance pass, like take path, taking what you know, and then building from it. And that's awesome. And if, if someone wants to learn about you and about social chameleon and about your podcast, where do they go? Yeah, so the best place is my link tree, which you guys, if you have it in the show notes, I can click on it. They don't have to worry about spelling my last name. Uh, for the podcast, I did make it mikeduppodcast.com. So it's M-I-K-E-D up podcast.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, which is uh, just backslash and it's Mike DeChocho. Again, that'll be clickable in the notes. Th- those are really the, the best spots to find me. Social Chameleon's website is socialchameleon.us. And you can learn about the different plans that we have there. You can see the team. You can see some of our work. Um, I want to say one more thing since this is really a conversation about freelance and entrepreneurship. Once I was able to do it all myself and then take on more work, that's when I realized, like Brett said, thinking bigger because I could have just stayed and been happy. Like, oh, I'm, I have you know a handful of podcast clients, pretty nice gig and get paid, you know, kind of like a wedding videographer kind of thing where you do your craft, you work your hours, you're really good at what you do. You you know, you charge appropriately so you can be busy throughout the year and, and also survive throughout the year because the season's not 12 months typically. Um, 
but that kind of thing where like, Hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good lifestyle. But that's not what I was looking to do. I was looking to, and it's not a knock. Sometimes that, that right. freelance gig is exact. Someone could be so happy. God bless them. That's the thing that right. lights what you want. for them. But for me, social chameleon always was not supposed to be Mike DiCiocio. Like I've had actually someone interviewing me and accidentally call me the social chameleon. I'm like, I'm not the social. It's a company (laughs) called social chameleon. It's not about me, but also like I want to encourage people to reach out to someone and maybe get coaching or mentorship because most of the time, someone who's five steps ahead of where you are, they'd love to help you because they know, Hey, I remember when I was stuck in the mud, man, and I could feel my wheels spinning and that's where you're at right now. Nobody was there to help me pull myself out. I want to help you pull yourself out. And many of the times, you know, most of the time people will help you because not that you're needy, but the genuine response is typically wanting to help. Uh, So don't be afraid to ask for help. I've learned that too, as a, as a single parent, you try to do it all yourself. And lately I've been asking on help from my mom, my sister, and being able to do more as I raise my daughter. And, you know, it's a pride thing that kind of gets in the way, but it's okay to ask for help, whether it's in business and personal life. Um, people do genuinely care and want to help you out. So don't take advantage of it, but utilize it. Yeah. People are good for the most part, right? Give them the That's benefit right. of the doubt. They're, they're going to help. And, you know, just, Diana, two things, quick things. One, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. You talked about the podcast and building relationships. Diana was on my podcast originally, episode 42 or somewhere there. We're now at 150. Now she's the full-time co-host, right? We hadn't known each other before that. We've obviously, she's done, you know, helped me quite a bit with some of my content stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a great tool. And the other thing that I wanted to close on, because I got the visual when you were talking about you're not great at graphic designer. You brought somebody in. I'm encouraging that graphic designer that you brought in to think bigger than just being a contract graphic designer That's and right. take what you know and how do you expand that into what you want. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to include links to all of that in the show notes. And uh, Mike, thanks for coming and sharing your your tidbits and wisdom and your journey because it, it really is an interesting one and very happy for your success and your continued success. Brett, appreciate you, Diana. Uh, love what you guys are doing. Thank you.